Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study at McDermott Road. We are so thankful to have you with us tonight. Our theme this quarter is Jesus, my example in a life interrupted. We're talking about how Jesus is not just our Savior, but is also our example. Jesus teaches us through his words and through his life, through his actions, what he does and what he doesn't do how to live our lives, how to be the people that God is calling us to be. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, someone who watches their teacher and who not only does what their teacher says, but also makes it their goal to emulate their teacher's lifestyle. And that's exactly what we're talking about in our series right now is about how to emulate Jesus. And then the rest of the title is Jesus, my example in a life interrupted. And we're talking about how Jesus is our example when life doesn't go the way that we want it to, when life doesn't go the way that we think it should, when life doesn't go according to plan, when our plans get interrupted. And tonight we're going to talk about Jesus' experience in the wilderness and how Jesus was faithful to his father while in the wilderness, how Jesus persevered and endured. Those are words that keep coming up in different settings this year. Uh, In our Sunday morning series, we're talking about patience. And so this past Sunday, we talked about things like persevering and enduring. And Mark Bryson laid out the lesson plans for this series. And this title for tonight's lesson is Jesus, My Example in perseverance and endurance. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight is perseverance and endurance. And we're going to look at Jesus' experience in the wilderness and talk about how we too have wilderness experiences. You may feel like right now you're in a wilderness in your life. Sometimes we're in a paradise, so to speak, and things are going well and going according to plan. And then our life gets interrupted with a wilderness, and we have to wander in the wilderness for a bit, and we struggle, and we have to endure, we have to persevere. And so even in those wilderness moments, Jesus is our example. And so we look to Jesus, we fix our eyes on Jesus, and he teaches us how to persevere, how to endure in the wilderness. We're going to look at the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bible, we'll be in the book of Matthew. And I want us to see specifically how Matthew is comparing and contrasting Jesus and the nation of Israel, how he's drawing a parallel between Jesus and Israel. Look in your Bible at Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 13. And Matthew writes, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. This is when Jesus had just been born and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Now, again, if you're familiar with this story, you know what's going on. Joseph and Mary uh, were there with the infant Jesus. Jesus has just been born, and they're warned that Herod wants to kill Jesus. And so Joseph takes his family by night, and they flee to Egypt. And 
the way Matthew tells the story, he parallels this with a passage from Hosea. Look at Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. It says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. Now, here Hosea is talking, or God is speaking through Hosea about Israel collectively and saying, when Israel as a nation, as a group, as a people, was a child, I loved him, talking about the the nation of Israel. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. So God is saying through Hosea that Israel was supposed to be God's son. Collectively, they were supposed to be God's son. And like a son, he brought them out of Egypt. You remember when they were slaves in Egypt, he called his son out of Egypt. He called Israel out of Egypt. But unfortunately, Israel was not faithful to their calling. God called them over and over again. And he says, the more they were called, the more they went away. And so Matthew is drawing a parallel, contrasting Israel that was supposed to be God's son collectively with God's true son, Jesus, the descendant of Israel, but the one true descendant of Israel, the one true descendant of Abraham, the one true son of God who would also come out of Egypt. And after he comes out of Egypt, he comes back into the promised land. And then again, you could talk about in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized, just like the children of Israel, God's son, passed through the water of the Red Sea. When they came out of Egypt, they passed through the water. That was sort of a baptism. First Corinthians, uh, Paul calls that in chapter 10 and verse 2. Their passing through the water is a type of baptism. And God's son, Jesus, his true son, passed through the water in the Jordan River. And then after his baptism, he goes to the wilderness, just like the children of Israel. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days, and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now again, do you see the parallels between Israel, God's son, collectively, that was called out of Egypt. They passed through the water, and then where did they go? They went into the wilderness. And how long did they stay there? For 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. And then Matthew says about Jesus, using the Hosea passage, out of Egypt, I called my son. So Jesus also went into Egypt, and then he came out of Egypt. He also passed through the water, and then he went, like the children of Israel, into the wilderness for 40 periods of time, for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. And so already we're setting up this comparison between Israel, who was supposed to be like a son to God, and Jesus, who is the one true, unique son of God. And we're going to see the difference between the way Israel acted in the wilderness and the way Jesus acts in the wilderness. We're going to see how Israel didn't endure. They didn't persevere. They weren't the people God was calling them to be. As it said in Hosea 11, the more they were called, 
the more they went away. But Jesus, by contrast, is faithful to his father in the wilderness. He perseveres. He endures. Let's keep reading the text. Chapter 4 and verse 3. The tempter, Satan, came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, and that's really what this passage is all about, if you are the Son of God, Israel did not act like the Son of God, collectively did not act like God's child. They weren't faithful to their father. But if, Jesus, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, sometimes when we're talk about, talking about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, we talk about how he quotes scripture. And that's true, he does quote scripture. But specifically, he quotes from the book of Deuteronomy. Now, if you're familiar with the book of Deuteronomy, you know that this is, this is the recap after the 40 years of wilderness wandering. After the children of Israel wander in the wilderness for 40 years and that wilderness generation dies out and a new generation comes along and they're about to go into the promised land, Moses says, here's what the previous generation did wrong and here's what you need to do. Here's what it looks like to be faithful to your father. Here's why the previous generation was not faithful and why they died in the wilderness. And here's how you need to be faithful as you go into the promised land. So again, you can see the parallel and why Jesus would always be quoting from the book of Deuteronomy in this context. Because Matthew and Jesus were seeing this contrast between Israel and Jesus, God's true son. So look at the context that Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. This is the story that Jesus has in mind. He says the whole, or Deuteronomy says, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. Again, that's what Jesus is demonstrating. That's what this testing that Jesus is going through is demonstrating. And by contrast, what the children of Israel went through in the wilderness and what that demonstrated. He says, chapter 8 and verse 3 of Deuteronomy, And he humbled you, God humbled you, and let you hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but, by, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So in other words, you don't survive life. You don't survive the wilderness by having a bunch of bread. It isn't bread that sustains you. Because as the children of Israel went through the entire 40 years in the wilderness, they had no bread. They only had manna from heaven. They only had what the Lord provided them. And so this is how you survive. How do you survive? You survive by the word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You survive by obeying your father, by doing what he wants you to do. You don't survive based on your abundance of food. Your life does not consist in the abundance of what you have. 
And so when Satan tempts Jesus and says, command these stones to become bread, this is what Jesus quotes. And he shows us the contrast between Israel and how Israel would rather have had bread than they would obedience. Jesus would rather have obedience than he would bread. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 4, your clothing, reminding the children of Israel, your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. Again, the people of Israel are being told what they need to do. And Jesus is demonstrating that this is his heart, that he wants to do his father's will, and that he would rather, he would rather be faithful than he would feast. He would rather have faithfulness than feasting. And Jesus demonstrates that he would rather do his father's will than he would have bread. And again, it's a contrast between himself and the children of Israel. And and we need to apply this to our own life. Look at verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. So God says, if you're faithful, you will feast, but you you must choose faithfulness over feasting. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says, I would rather be faithful than I would feast. I would rather do my father's will than I would have food to eat. So I'd rather go hungry and be faithful than I would eat and be disobedient. Jesus is demonstrating that he understood and did what the wilderness generation didn't do. He was faithful to his father. He did his father's will. And again, we have to apply that to our own life. Which do you rather have? Which would you rather have, food or faithfulness? And and the father says to the children of Israel and to Jesus, you will have food. I will take care of you. I will put food in your mouth. I will put food on your plate. You will have an abundance, but you have to learn this lesson first. You have to learn that faithfulness is more valuable than food. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God could feed his people in the wilderness for 40 years without bread, with just manna from the sky. And the Father will take care of you, but you have to learn this lesson, that faithfulness is more valuable than food. Now back to our text, Matthew chapter 4, verse 5. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, again, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, 
it's written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So again, Satan is saying, don't you want the angels to take care of you? Don't you want your father to prove that he'll save you and deliver you and take care of you? And Jesus responds, I'm not going to put my father to the test. I'm not going to make him prove that he will take care of me. I trust him that he will take care of me. I don't, I'm not going to put him to the test and make him prove that. And again, Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 16, where the children of Israel are told, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massah. You remember Massah was where the the water came from the rock because the people, they were quarreling, they were grumbling, and Moses had to strike the rock and the water came out, and the place was called Massah, which means testing. Look back at that part of the story in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 7. And he called the name of the place Massah, which means testing, and Meribah, which means quarreling because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? They didn't trust their father. Like a son, God called them out of Egypt to deliver them from slavery, brought them into the wilderness for a period of testing, and they tested God. And they said, we don't trust you. We don't believe you. Are you with us or not? Are you going to give us what we want or not? We want water to drink. And Jesus, by contrast, says, I will not put the Lord my God to the test. I know he will take care of me. I know he would send his angels to comfort me. I don't need to test him because I know he's my father I'm his son, and I won't put him to the test. Again, the the application there for us should be pretty obvious, shouldn't it? We don't put the Lord to the test. Why? Because we trust him. Do we trust that we are his children? Do we trust that he cares about us? Do we believe what Jesus says, that he knows every hair on our head? He knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. And if he knows that, he knows everything about you. He loves you and he cares for you and he will take care of you. He will deliver you. He will save you. But sometimes, again, we we tend to be instant gratification kind of people, don't we? We want it now. Show me now that you're on my side. Show me now that you love me. Show me now that you're going to take care of me. But Jesus doesn't act that way. Jesus perseveres. Jesus endures. He endures hunger. He endures thirst. He endures the wilderness. Why? Because he trusts his Father. Let's keep reading. Back to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Again, Satan offers Jesus all the kingdoms of the world if he'll bow down and worship him. Now, We know the big picture, don't we? We know that God is giving to Jesus all the kingdoms 
anyway, right? I mean, look at us. We are thousands and thousands of miles on the other side of the world. We are part of a different country, a different nation, and we belong to Jesus. The Father was giving the nations to Jesus anyway. And if Jesus had been impatient and unwilling to persevere, unwilling to endure, unwilling to do and go through everything that he went through, not only in the wilderness, but also on the cross, then he would not have received the nations. But now because of his perseverance, because of his endurance, because he wasn't impatient, Jesus has received the nations. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is where Jesus is quoting from. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 10, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full. So he's bringing the people of Israel into the promised land, and there's already cities there that they didn't build houses that they didn't construct, cisterns that they didn't dig, vineyards and olive trees that they didn't plant. And God is saying, I'm going to give you all of these things if you will be faithful. Verse 12, and take care, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. You see, God was giving them all of those things anyway. And if they were to worship other gods, they would forfeit their inheritance. Jesus was receiving the nations. And if he had fallen down and worshipped Satan so that he could shortcut the process, if he had been impatient, if he had been unwilling to persevere, if he had been unwilling to endure, if he had been unwilling to go through hardship and struggle and suffering, then he would have forfeited his inheritance and our salvation. Verse 15 of Deuteronomy 6, For the Lord your God In your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Now, look at verse 11 of chapter 4. Back to our text. After Jesus resists all of Satan's offers, all of the devil's offers, Jesus says no, and he proves himself faithful in contrast to the way the children of Israel acted when they were tested in the wilderness. Jesus is faithful. And it says in verse 11, the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Do you see all of the things that Jesus was willing to resist the temptations concerning food to eat, the nations to be given to him, the angels ministering to him. The father gave him all of those things. The father gave him food to eat. The Father gave him ministering angels. The Father gave him the nations. The Father gives him the whole world, all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus receives all these good things from the Father. Why? Because he was willing to wait, because he was willing to trust his Father and persevere. This is the difference between Israel 
in the wilderness, the wilderness generation in, that, that is being contrasted. This is the difference between the wilderness generation, who was supposed to be collectively God's son, and God's true son, who trusts his father to give him all good things. See, because Jesus truly trusted, my father will give me that. My father will feed me. But what's more important than being fed, what's more important than food, what's more important than bread, is every word that proceeds from my father's mouth is doing my Father's will. This is my food. This is my bread. This is what I hunger and thirst for, is God's righteousness to do my Father's will. And because he was willing, because he was willing to trust his Father to feed him, and he would rather be faithful than be full of food, because he was willing to be faithful and persevere and endure, God gave him all that he needed. And because he was willing to not fall down and worship Satan or not put God to the test, God gave him all of these good things. And that's how he was able to persevere. That's how he was able to endure. That's how he was able to make it through the wilderness was because God's true son trusts his father to give him all good things. See, Satan lies and says, if you don't get this now, you won't get this at all, right? Isn't that the lie that Satan wants us to believe? Go all the way back to the garden, right? What is it that was on that tree of, the the, the fruit of that tree? The knowledge of good and evil. Well, that's what maturity brings, isn't it? As, As you get older and you get mature and you get wise, as we read through scripture, A person who is mature and and older and wiser and has been through and experienced many things knows the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, right? And as they begin to grow and mature, that knowledge is given to them so that they know good and evil. But the lie that Satan gave to Eve and to Adam was that if you don't get this now, you won't get this at all. If you don't get it this way, you won't ever have it. And that's a lie. And that's what he tells all of us. Satan loves the fact that we are instant gratification creatures. He loves to tell us, if you don't get this now, you won't get this at all. If you don't have pleasure now, you'll never have pleasure at all. If you don't fulfill this desire, you'll never have it at all. If you don't have comfort now, you'll never have it at all. If you don't have safety now, you'll never have it at all. If you don't have glory now, you'll never have it at all. And and it makes it really hard when we listen to those lies to persevere, to endure, to wait, to be patient, to go through the wilderness. That's the lie that Satan kept whispering in the ears of the children of Israel in the wilderness, isn't it? If you don't have food now, you'll never have food at all. If you don't have bread now, you'll never have bread at all. If you don't have meat now, you'll never have meat at all. If you don't have drink now, you'll never have drink at all. And so the people got anxious and they quarreled and they put God to the test. And they said, it would be better if we just went back to Egypt. We're going to be out here. We're going to starve. We're never going to have food to eat. We're never going to have bread to eat. We're never going to have water to drink. They didn't trust their father. They believed the devil's lies that if you don't have this now, you'll never have it at all. But Jesus shows us another way because the father promises, if you trust me and persevere, you will receive all you need 
and more. Isn't this what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That it's the Father's will to give you all good things. All good things. But you have to persevere. You have to wait. You have to endure. You have to go through the period of testing. You have to go through the period of wilderness. You have to go without. And if you're willing to go without, if you're willing to choose the words that come from the mouth of God rather than just bread, then the Father will give you all good things, especially in the resurrection. We're not talking about what might happen next week, what might happen next year, what might happen 20 years from now. We're talking about when the Lord comes. The Father will give you all good things. But he's telling us over and over and over again through every page of Scripture, and especially here in the story of the wilderness, contrasted with the story of Jesus, that if you will just wait, if you will just persevere, if you will just be patient, it is the Father's will to give you all good things. Don't believe Satan's lies. When Satan says, if you don't have this now, you'll never have it at all. Don't believe that. That's not true. It is the Father's will to give you all good things. Don't think that if, if you don't get happiness now, by any means necessary, that if you don't shortcut the process, and grab hold of whatever it is that you want, that you will never have it. That's a lie. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be patient. Trust in Him. Endure. Persevere. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's what the cross shows us, isn't it? That on the other side of the cross is the resurrection. On the other side of the cross is glorification. On the other side of the cross is the Father. And that the Father will lift us up. The Father will deliver us. The Father will save us. But we have to take up our cross and follow Jesus. We have to walk through the wilderness. We have to persevere. We have to endure. We have to suffer. And Satan, all along the way, is going to be telling us, if you don't get this now, you won't get this at all. If you don't seize it and take it and take advantage of it, then you'll never have it. Satan loves for us to be anxious. Satan loves for us to be worried. Satan loves for us to doubt that the Father will take care of us. Satan loves for us to, to think maybe God doesn't really want what's best for us. Maybe God is holding something out away from us and he doesn't want us to have that. Maybe God won't really come through. Maybe God won't really keep his promises. Satan loves for us to, to think, test him. Just see, just see, just test him. Ask him to make this happen right now. But Jesus shows us a better way. Jesus shows us the way, the path that the children in the wilderness, the children of Israel in the wilderness didn't take. And, and truth be told, it's the path we haven't taken so many times because there's been so many times that we haven't persevered, we haven't endured. But today's a new day. We get new opportunities to be disciples of Jesus, to follow the example of Jesus, to fix our eyes on Jesus, accept his mercy and his grace, his forgiveness for the past, and then take the next step by faith. 
and if we find ourselves in, and when we find ourselves in a wilderness, we will persevere, we will endure, we will fix our eyes on Jesus, we will take up our cross and follow him. We will say, I trust you, Father, that you will give us all good things, but I would rather have the words that proceed from the Father's mouth than I would bread. And I would rather be hungry, and I would rather be thirsty, and I would rather be in shame, and I would rather live in poverty than I would fall down and worship anyone or anything else. My allegiance, my loyalty, my faith, my trust belongs to the Lord and Him alone. And I will trust Him. I will persevere. I will be steadfast. I will endure. This is what the wilderness teaches us. It teaches us a better way. Yes, the way of suffering, but also the way of reward. Also the way of the Father showing us that He will take care of us. He will provide for us. He will rescue us. He will save us. He will resurrect us from the dead. What's the worst anyone could do to us? Starve us? Kill us? Sure. And on the other side of death is resurrection and glorification. And the Father will give us everything He's promised to give us. We will share in everything Jesus has been given. Not not because of our own goodness, not because of our own faithfulness, because He paved the way, because He accomplished it on our behalf. And now, because He has done these things, because He has paved the way, because He has provided our salvation, now we follow Him. It's our pleasure to walk behind Him in the wilderness, trying our very best to do what Jesus did. Trust our Father to give us all good things, and resist the urge to listen to Satan when he says, if you don't get it now, you won't get it at all. Whatever Satan offers us and says, you can have this right now, we can say, no thanks, I already have something better and I will have something far better because of what Jesus has done for us. That's our hope, that's our promise, that's our goal, that's our life. So church, My encouragement today is the same as my encouragement on Sunday and every day. Fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of the week. God bless.